The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Good to be with you today. I'm not going to seek, kill, or destroy you, but I'm going to try to teach you how to avoid that happening in your life. It's good to be with you. I want to thank uh, Brent for doing a great job of leading in my absence and uh, Shay for speaking and and Molly and Corey and everybody else that uh, held down the fort. What a great uh, experience for me to be able to go back home and spend some time with my family in Oklahoma, and I appreciate your graciousness in allowing me to do that and take my family and and have a little time off. So thank you uh, for that, but I'm ready to be back. And uh, good news for you today is I'm ready to go downstairs and hang out too, okay? So I'm gonna try to get this thing delivered as quickly as possible so that we can, uh, get, we can spend some time together. One of, one of my earliest uh, childhood memories, um, you know, like, I don't know if it's one of my earliest, but, but going somewhere. You grew up in Oklahoma, especially before the Thunder, uh, the NBA basketball team came. There's not a lot to do. You know, you go to the lake, um, you go to Sooner football games, and you go to the state fair. <laughs> and when I came here, the state fair doesn't seem to be as big here as it as it uh, was back home in Oklahoma. And so we, we would go to the state fair. And I remember as a kid going with my mom and dad and, and walking through the, the um, exhibits. And I remember, like, I don't know why I remember this, but I, I, man, I was just like in awe of this. We walked through and there was a guy up on a podium. He had a little black speaker, looked like a megaphone. that was sitting on the corner of a table and it came up, and he had a little headpiece on that was wireless. It didn't sound good uh, at all. It uh, kind of had that echoey um, uh, feel like a guy talking through a book or a bullhorn. And he's up there, and he's got a knife, and he starts talking about this knife, man. And he starts cutting stuff, and he's just, this knife, and he's just going 90 miles an hour talking about how great this knife is. It slices, it dices, it does, and he, boom, 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 and and it's serrated. How many of you have this knife? It's a brown-handled knife with a fork on the end, and it's serrated. You got that knife? You went to the state fair too, didn't you? So he's cutting with this knife, man, and it's cutting everything. Then he whips out a piece of lumber, and he's like, it'll even cut wood, and it's still sharp. And they'll take the tomato and slice it again. And then he puts it up there, and after he's done with his whole pitch, he puts it up there, and then he says, today, if you buy one of these for whatever cost it was uh, back in the 70s when I grew up, or grew up, he says, you, you get this for X amount of dollars. He says, but today, if you buy it, I'll throw in another one. Ooh. He says, not only that, I'll throw in this paring knife. And then he had this cool paring knife, and he starts peeling stuff, man. And then he says, but if you buy today, I'll also throw in three of these. And he pulls these little orange deals out, and they're circular, man. They're, they're serrated on the end. He pops one in the orange, holds it over a glass, puts it in another orange. And I'm like, Mom, you got to get one of those, man. And so we bought one. Oh, and you know, you know the other thing he does is he, he hits the hand, handle with a hammer and it doesn't break. And those knives are good, man. They'll, they'll last 100 years, I think, because it, I, I still have one. I don't even know where it came from. We've had it forever, and, and it'll cut anything. And so this guy, he gets you to, to buy this thing, and, and, and it's a good deal. And, and you look at that, and you go, well, that's a good deal. And so that's great when you get something that's a pretty good deal thrown in with all this other stuff. But then there are those deals. One of the worst things to happen is you think you're getting a good deal, and you've been taken advantage of. Like, 
Faith, uh, my oldest daughter, man, she's all into fashion. Like things, she's got to have the right colors. Everything has to match. She like, and man, it's a total nightmare at our house if she has to wear something that is, doesn't go perfectly together, and the laundry was forgotten to do, and and it didn't get done, and she's like, man, she's out of control. So she even, she even all the way down, like her lunchbox and stuff has to match, right? And so she got last year. She got into all these like paisley designs of black and white was a real popular thing. And so she got her backpack and she got all of her stuff that, but she needed a lunchbox that would match that. And so her and Abby got on eBay and they found a lunchbox. It was a great deal for like 10 bucks they bought from somebody. And it comes in the mail and they open it up, man. And this thing has brown stains all over it. Doesn't look anything like the picture. And so Abby's just, you know, you don't see Abby get too upset very often. But when she does, you better look out, man. And, and so she was upset. She had been taken advantage of. And, and so it's the worst feeling in the world when you think you're getting a good deal. And then all of a sudden, you learn that, that you've, you're getting, you know, scammed, if you will. Somebody's taking advantage of you. And usually it is a charlatan who does that. And we, uh, as, as people who like to pride ourselves in getting a great deal and doing a great job, um, we don't like to be taken advantage of. But the reality is, um, and the irony of that, is there are many people who are being ripped off every day and they don't even give it a second thought. It could be that even this week, you've been ripped off several times. You didn't even know that you were ripped off. You may have been ripped off on the way to church, like in the car. Things were stressful. And you may have gotten stolen from even on your way here this morning to come and hang out with the rest of the family of God. And the charlatan that we face that is always trying to rip us off is the devil. Jesus said it very plainly in the gospel of John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, as he's describing himself as the good shepherd, he says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly, some translations say. And so Jesus comes to give this, this, this incredibly free life and he's describing a life that is full of freedom. And man, I love freedom. I, I wanna live my life in such a way that I, I'm just living freely and lightly. We talked a couple of weeks ago before I went on vacation about Jesus and, and Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of, of the passage where Jesus describes, take my yoke upon you. My, my burden is light and easy. And, and Eugene Peterson says, man, man, it's a light and full life. And, and it's one in which we learn from the Lord how to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. And, and so that, that tells us that as followers of Jesus, we should not be forcing the rhythms of grace into our lives. It, it should be an unforced rhythm, a rhythm that we learn. And once we learn it, we have it as a part of our lives and we're living it out. Then we're just living in this place of freedom. And that doesn't matter where we're at, what we're doing, um, what, you know, what our responsibilities are. We're able to somehow miraculously get into this place of freedom in life. And that's the way we're supposed to live. But sadly, that's not the case for many people who follow Jesus. And, and, and they, they, they live in such a way that they're being ripped off. And the enemy is, is, is operating like a charlatan and he's, he's uh, stealing, he's killing, he, he is destroying the very freedom that, that Christ died on the cross to purchase for us. And so it's very important for us as a body of believers to get this. Like, I, I really want you to get this because as we try to reach out to the world that is hurting, 
and people who are broken, people who are far from God. Our, our best and most advantageous and strategic weapon is to live a life of freedom. For people to look at us and see us go through discouraging times, to see us go through challenging times, uh, whether it be with, with our health or our finances or our obligations and responsibilities, the change that we encounter. We, I mean, we really don't like change, but, but change shows up and it's a difficult thing that happens in our lives. And so what we're supposed to be able to do is live this light-free, abundant life that Jesus describes in John chapter 10 and, and live from a place of freedom, man. And people look at us and they go, man, like the guy, that, that, that lady, that girl, this friend of mine, she just seems to be able to move through all of her experiences in such a light and free way. And I, I want some of that. And, and the first, like this first key to discipling people is having a life that somebody else wants. They have to desire the life that we have. And so we have to live in such a way. And, and, and I don't know why we would want to live in any other way that, that people are looking at us and they're going, man, I want that guy's life. I want that. I want her life. I want my life to look like that. And the reason they should want their lives to look like our lives is because our lives look like Jesus, because we've, we've hung out with him and we've learned how to live this full life that he is our good shepherd is teaching us how to live. We're living from a place of abundance and fullness. And so here, here's the first takeaway I want to share with you this morning is that freedom is ours when we live on what has already been purchased. Like this is... This stuff I'm describing isn't something we try to attain to. It is ours. That's why you can take a person who can walk in the church today, and you may be this person. I have no idea. But you can walk in the church today, and you can feel so burdened and so broken. Your life can be totally messed up. You feel like you are a worthless individual, and you can meet the Lord Jesus Christ and, and just in an instant. Your life can totally be transformed and all of a sudden you feel light and free and there's, there's a burden that is lifted off of you because your sin is forgiven. The Bible teaches us that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. And so you could come in and, and, and when you figure out and understand and comprehend and accept and believe in Christ, all of a sudden you can go through this um, metamorphosis where you are changed on the inside. The old man dies and the new man rises up as Christ is formed in you and the spirit of God indwells you and he comes and, 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 and he comes into us and all of a sudden we are at this place of lightness and freedom. And what did we do to get there? Just believe. That's it. That's all the Lord asks us to do. So when it comes to this place of freedom and this life that I'm describing of abundance that Jesus talked about so eloquently throughout the gospels, he died to purchase for us. The whole reason for him to go to the cross of Calvary was to purchase this life for us. And so we look at what is lost in the Garden of Eden when man commits sin. It is, it is the freedom that we have in the Lord. Remember what uh, uh, the Lord said to Adam and Eve when he created them and placed them in the garden. Of this garden, all the trees you, are, you can freely eat. Like you're free to rule over the animals. You're free to have work that is not involving toil, just enjoyable work. You're free to do all of these things. But don't do this one thing. Don't go and mess with this, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. You don't want to mess with that because that, that one equals bondage and I've created you to be in a place of freedom. And so we're designed to be in this, 
this existence to live life in a free place. And we call it the fall because when the first humans sinned, then the entire human race was plunged into sin and the curse even impacted all of creation is, is, has been impacted by the fall of humanity. And so we're no longer in a right relationship with the Lord. But when we meet him and we say yes to Jesus, yes, I believe in Jesus, then there is a restoration and a removal of the curse on our lives. And that's what we mean when a person gets saved, like they come to a full knowledge of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they believe in what Jesus purchased on the cross. They're not doing anything good in and of themselves. They're just receiving what, all the good that Jesus purchased on the cross of Calvary. This is why one of the seven sayings on the cross of Calvary that Jesus uttered was the word tetelestai. It means to be paid in full. He purchased that full life and he paid all of the penalty of sin on the cross of Calvary. So for us as followers of Jesus, our freedom is ours when we live on what has already been purchased. We're not trying to purchase it. We're just living on it. We're just claiming it as our own. Galatians chapter five, verse one teaches us this. The apostle Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, no doubt Paul tells the Galatian Christ followers what their salvation is for. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So as we live this life out, Paul is teaching the Galatians in the context of legalism. They were going back into the old form of Judaism and trying to mix it with the new covenant. And Paul says it won't work. And so as we look at this, we see that they were exchanging their freedom for bondage. And that's the same thing we can do even after we meet Jesus, is that we can take our freedom that he has purchased for us, and we can go from that first state, our first love. I mean, uh, we sang about it this morning in one of the worship songs, is, is that first love returning to us. And the reason that first love is so special is when we first fell in love with Jesus, we had all this ultimate freedom that invaded our lives. Well, sanctification is walking out that freedom and not surrendering that freedom to the enemy, but it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so we live on that freedom that has already been purchased, and as time goes on, if we are not careful, we can begin to exchange our freedom and live like slaves again. But we're not slaves. We have been set free from the bondage of captivity. You can start in the book of Genesis and read all the way through Revelation and you'll see that the entire Bible tells this incredible story of humanity and God rescuing humanity from bondage to set them free. The nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt and God was teaching us what he was going to do for us spiritually by releasing them from captivity. He raised up the prophet Moses, sent him back to Egypt and he delivered the Israelites out of bondage into freedom. But what is the first thing that they wanted to do when things got a little bit tough and challenged? challenging? Go back and eat the leeks. Go back to Egypt and live like slaves because it was so scary where they were living right there with their freedom. See, your freedom is purchased for you, but we don't always know how it's gonna work out. And so what we have to understand is that in our uncertainty, 
God is never uncertain and we rely on his sovereignty and to have faith is to walk by sight or walk by faith, not by sight. So to to walk in such a way as I don't know how all this is going to work out, but I have the freedom of knowing that God does and I'm a child of his because he has claimed me for himself. And so I walk this life out in faith and God just helps me along the way and I don't have to live like a slave. Come on, man. Like that's the way we're supposed to live. If the world sometimes looks at us and we don't look any different. We don't look like we have any less or any more freedom than they do. We look like we're having the same struggles and we're struggling through them in the same way that they are. And that is not the, the way it's supposed to be for the follower of Jesus. Like we're supposed to be manifesting the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, long suffering, all of these qualities, this gentleness, this kindness, it's supposed to just be coming out of me. And the only way it can come out is if I'm walking in the freedom. And it was for freedom that Christ has set me free. And so I have to live on what Christ has already purchased. And, and the entire letter to the book of, or to the uh, Christians in Galatia was written to teach the church that we are to not live in such a way that we're exchanging our freedom for bondage. And so even today, uh, you know, 2,000 years later, it's so relevant. It's the church has got to learn how to not exchange their freedom for um bondage again, even once we have met the Lord and our salvation may be secure, it is possible for us to live like slave people, even though we're free. So our freedom is there to be enjoyed, but we must embrace it with every decision we make. So you're going to face a host of decisions this week. You're going to face a host of decisions today. And in every single one of those decisions, you need to begin to, all of us need to begin to making, making these decisions and going, okay, in this moment right here, am I exchanging my freedom for bondage? And if I am, then this is a bad decision. I need to go the other direction. Because the enemy, the charlatan, what is he trying to do? He's trying to steal, he's trying to kill, he's trying to destroy what? Your freedom, your freedom in Christ. What is Jesus trying to do? He's trying to establish your freedom. He's trying to grow you into the same type of individual he himself was. Obviously, you will not be the Messiah. He was the Messiah, but he is in you. And so he wants to grow up in you. He wants to mature in you. He wants you to go through this process. Why? So that he can increase your freedom. And each time your freedom is increased and elevated, who gets the glory? God does. Because you know, and he knows, and the people around you know that something's going on in your life that is not characteristic of the human experience apart from the Lord. So we look at this and we go, okay, freedom is, is, is ours when we live out what has already been purchased. Now, This is the full life that Jesus is describing in John chapter 10, verse 10. Here's the second way. The more you spend, the less you have. The more you spend, the less you have. Um, In in the spiritual economy, our currency is freedom. Like that's your currency. And and you have, it's not a currency that you have to deposit. But it it is a currency that you can spend and if you... Um, spend it the wrong way and purchase the wrong things, then what happens is, is you end up living like a slave person. So the, the bank account is there. It's full. It's, it's able to make draws on it, not based upon your performance. It's just there because you're a child of the Lord and, and you belong to Jesus. And so you have the spiritual currency of freedom that is necessary for you to purchase more freedom uh, from the Lord. But the more you spend of that freedom in the wrong way, 
I shouldn't even say you, you purchase it from the Lord. The, the, the worse, the more incorrect theological decisions that you make, like every time you, you make a bad decision, then you exchange the freedom that is available for you to spend for a lie, and that is a ripoff, and that's what this whole celestial war is all about. With <laughs> this is, this just goes all the, the Bible's so clear about this. Like this, this is what when when Satan rebelled, this is what he was trying to do. Is he was trying to get something that wasn't his instead of living on what God had already gave him. And because of that, he has faced the sentence. And now, he, as he's trying to get the glory of God, the Lord in his sovereignty has permitted for him to roam around the earth like a roaring lion. And there are these spiritual forces that are out there, these demonic forces that we don't see, but it is obvious that they are influencing humanity. And they're trying to get us to purchase things with our freedom that the gospel is not set up to be lived out for us. You, you, you begin to think about these things when Paul says, work out your salvation. What does he mean? Does he mean that we work for our salvation? No, he means you've got freedom in your life. Work that freedom out. Don't sacrifice that freedom and give it away for something that the Lord has not purchased. You have to understand that the, the freedom has already been purchased from uh, for, by God, and so we don't want to be ripped off. This is what um, Paul says in, in the same chapter of Galatians, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Like you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. She's saying like, you can take your freedom and use it to indulge your flesh. And, and what does that mean? It means like you're thinking like the old man instead of the new man. A lot of times when we think of the word indulgence, when it comes to the context of, of our faith, we think of only the bad sins. Like that's when you're indulging. No, you are indulging anytime you are catering to the old man. Like the, the easy ones are the ones that we can quickly identify, you know, uh, that, that the, 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 the gospel or the, the Bible clearly lays out for us, the sins of the flesh. We, we can see those. And so we think, well, I, I'm avoiding those, so I'm okay. But what about our attitudes? Like, what about how we're walking through life and treating people? What about how whether or not we have a positive outlook on, on life just for the simple fact that we know Jesus? Like, we're gonna spend eternity with God, which should have a major impact on one of my experiences. And this is what allows um, pe the people of God, when they go through a difficult experience, we see people who uh, are, are, their deaths are, are about to happen, and they're going through this grueling attack physically on, on their body, and it, it's maybe they're, they're facing cancer, and they're going downhill, but somehow this incredible joy is coming out of their lives, and they seem to be able to face it with this incredible courage. It is the Lord working in them when they're able to do that, and it is their freedom being manifested in their life. So he, we look at this, and we see that, that we can indulge the flesh by spending our currency. And so what does he sell us? Well, he sells us mental assumptions. And this is where I think, man, the, this is where I think when, the, when John chapter 10, verse 10, it says the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. This is where I think he's getting a lot of believers on assumptions. Like someone might uh, assume, well, Sally doesn't like me. And so we start thinking about that. 
Just based upon one experience that we see happen at work, and then all of a sudden, we see Sally do something, it makes us think that Sally doesn't like us, and so then we go home, and we're laying in bed at night, and we're going, man, I, what did I do to make Sally mad? And we're just like going over and over and all this anxiety is building up inside of us. And, and what's going on is, is it's a lie. And if we purchase it, we're spending our freedom. And so when, when we have an experience like that, and it could be anything, like it doesn't have to be, uh, uh, you know, this experience that I'm describing, even multiple things, like my parents. Um, I'll tell you a lie that a lot of young people and adolescents buy. My parents are stupid. That's a lie, man. I can't get along with my parents when I'm a teenager because the world says that teenagers don't get along with parents. That's a lie. And so what happens is you take some of your freedom as a follower of Jesus, you purchase that lie from the devil, and you begin to have distance with you and your father, or you and your mother. And instead of having this incredible unity being walked out as you work out your salvation, there's this incredible distance. And you've just started living like a slave in your own home as a child of your parents, as a, as a child of the Lord. And you know, dad's going to say, amen, come on now. Same thing can happen to husbands. Same thing happens to wives. And we start assuming things and we start like buying into stereotypes that the devil has sold our culture, that this is the way it must be. And so we, we, we live those things out and what happens is we're spending our freedom on lives or on lies and we're getting ripped off. And so the enemy is just like wearing us out. Here's the third takeaway. The more freedom you invest with the Lord, the greater the dividends. So as opposed to spending our freedom, the way it's designed to work is to take our freedom and just keep rolling it over and investing it so that it can compound and increase and we can see it continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And before long, we're walking in such freedom that we're just like, we're just loving life. And why are we loving life? Because of all of the freedom that comes in Christ that we've learned how to live it out without indulging it on the flesh. And so instead of using it as a license to sin because we know that we're right with God because we've been purchased eternally to live it out, we start realizing that not only are we purchased for salvation, we're purchased for sanctification and our freedom can continually increase and we can live these incredibly meaningful lives because we're allowing our freedom to be invested with the Lord instead of it spending it on transactions with the enemy. And that is the, the crux of the matter. That's what, that's what gets us pulled away uh, or pulled back into bondage and living like slaves, even though we may be free people. And so there is a payout. When we live on what Jesus has already purchased, we don't spend our freedom. We invest it, and it pays more dividends of freedoms, of, of freedom. It, it reminds me of uh, several years ago, I started managing in a, um, my own IRA a little bit. I had an account, and so Visa went public, man. And, and so when they went public and they had the IPO, I was like, man, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm going to buy some of that. And so I bought a bunch of it at uh, $55 a, ch a share, and it just went shoo. And, and so I still own what I bought, but they've, they've like split and went down and went back up, and I've done really well on that. And so I look at that and I go, man, I wish I could go back there and take everything that I had in all of my mutual funds and cash it out and put it all in that visa stock and I would be doing pretty good right now in my retirement account, but I can't. Like, but here's the deal with the Lord. 
you can. It's always available to invest. Like it's always available at that zero cost base to purchase as much of it with your freedom that you have as you want. The secret is, is rolling it over and continuing to invest your freedom with the Lord and not spending it with the enemy. That's, that's the whole gist of what I want you to get in this series. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Paul tells us, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The Lord is spirit. Where the spirit is, there's freedom. And as I live out that freedom and I continue to walk in that freedom, it just keeps continuing to increase because I'm investing it with uh, the Lord. So this is how this plays out. Purchasing from the enemy equals Sally doesn't like me, making an assumption. Investing with the Lord in the same scenario equals my identity doesn't come from Sally, it comes from Jesus. Does it really matter what if Sally likes me or doesn't like me because Jesus loves me and that's enough to keep me in a place of freedom that I'm not going to let other people define my identity because my identity comes from my relationship with the Lord who purchased me on the cross of Calvary and I am his. I am a child of God. I belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so th- this is the difference between purchasing and investing. Purchasing is we don't, don't talk about the Lord because people don't want to hear about that. Like, don't talk about the Lord when you're at work. Don't talk about the Lord in conversations because you know what? There just may be somebody that doesn't want to really have that conversation. Investing, on the other hand, the Lord is my strength, and other people need to have that same strength as I do, and I don't care. Like, I just want them to know. Now, it's not an excuse to be rude with your faith, but it's certainly also not an excuse to be um, silent about your faith. Like, you... If Jesus is in you and a part of you and he, the, the spirit of God indwells you, then, then people ought to be able to know that. It ought to come out naturally of your life and, and we can't be afraid to bring it up when, when the spirit is prompting us to do so. Purchasing equals I can't lead people to the Lord or I can't disciple people. That's purchasing. And, and investing equals the Lord will do it through me. I don't have to be able to do it because it is not me doing it. It is me living out the freedom that has already been purchased. And I just take the risk and start walking with people and allowing the Lord to do it through me. That's the way it has to happen anyway, or you're only um, making something um, like yourself that is not like Jesus if you're not doing it through the power of the Lord. And so, so like purchasing means it looks like I can't do this. I can't do this type of ministry because I'm not capable. Investing is, I understand I'm weak, but I have freedom in Christ and the Lord wants me to do this anyway. And so he will do it through me. Purchasing equals I don't have enough to give or an attitude that says the church only wants my money. That's purchasing, man. Investing means I understand the Lord God, he, the psalmist King David said, the Lord owned the, the cattle of a thousand hills and he is my provider. And I don't have to worry. I can trust the Lord to provide for me and I'm going to honor him with the provisions that he has, he has given me. 
And that's the difference between purchasing and investing. And that's why, why giving is so important to our faith and our development. Jesus, what did he say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as we take that and we invest that with the Lord and understand, man, my freedom is tied to that, then we, we quit purchasing the lie and we start living out and investing our freedom with the Lord. Um, when we learn to invest our freedom, it is always increased. And when we purchase... We just keep going deeper in bondage. And so in the coming weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the word and we're going to see how this charlatan operates. And, and we'll see him like just up close and personal and be able to take these applications and go, okay, this is what's going on here. This is, I remember, I remember when we were together as a body and, and, and Jimmy was teaching and I remember this happening and, and this is the same kind of, of situation that I find myself in and, and this is what I need to do. But this week, all I want you to get is this one big idea. I'm not buying what the enemy is selling. I just, just start getting the attitude, man. And this will change you. You start catching yourself. You start getting, you get angry. You go, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. That's a ripoff right there. I'm going to hold on to my freedom. I'm invested with the Lord, and I'm not going to buy that junk. You get mad at your mom or dad. You're just like, you want to go up and slam the door. Right before you slam it, just go, I'm not buying that, and close it shut. Like, when you get upset with your husband, and you're about to just, like, go off into a fight, then just stop and go, I'm not buying that. When a coworker um, does something that just drives you crazy, and you're just about to just get all worked up on the inside. You just stop and go, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. That's a ripoff. I'm going to stay over here in my freedom and just not worry about that. And we say, well, what if, Jimmy, what if, what if that person knows they're getting under my skin? Well, the Bible says that if you just love those people, like not, there are two things that are going to happen. One is they're going to see that they can't get under your skin. And two, like the book of James says, it's like heaping hot coals on their head. Because we're allowing, like, instead of, instead of reacting and re retaliating, because see, the enemy's trying to get us to buy something, come over here and buy this. You say, well, man, you get, you get like, if, if you live like that, Jimmy, you'll get taken advantage of. Your faith is not strong enough if you think that way. Like, I, I look at my life and I, man, I just feel like people can't really take advantage of me because I am protected. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm just gonna keep living out in my freedom. And when we do that, our freedom just continually gets increased. And so I'm not buying what the enemy is selling. I'm going to live on what the Lord has already purchased. That's the kind of church I want us to be. Like, that's why I want you to live and encourage you to live this week, because that's the way Jesus wants us to live. It's just don't buy the lies. Live in your freedom. And you'll start realizing that people are going to come close to you. And they want to be closer so they can try to figure it out, start figuring out how are, you, how are you living in these rhythms. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.